We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Stender with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Knopf, please visit mikeknopf.com. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. I just want to talk a little bit about uh, the Lulav and Etrog and about Sukkot, if, if I might. Uh, I don't know if any of you have ever tried doing this, but probably of all the Jewish holidays, Sukkot is the most baffling one to explain to somebody who is not... Uh, uh, who's not knowledgeable about Judaism. I was, ha- I was getting my hair cut before Rosh Hashanah, and, uh, and the person who cuts my hair was asking me about work and, you know, things coming up. I said, well, we have the Jewish New Year, and then we have the Day of Atonement, and those are kind of easy to explain. I said, well, then right after the Day of Atonement, we have this festival. It's called Sukkot. She said, well, what's that? I said, well, um, we make these, like, huts, and, uh, and we, are, we, like, live in them for seven days, and, uh, and then we take, like, four kinds of plants and wave them around a bunch. Um, it's really hard to explain. Uh, and so I wanted to uh, talk just for a moment about uh, the Lulav and Etrog, which I think is even the, is the hardest part of that to, uh, to talk about and to explain. Uh, so... The, the question is, why do we take these four species? Why, why do we do this uh, during the course of this holiday? One of my favorite uh, Jewish texts is called Sefer Achinuch, which is uh, a, uh, a text of uh, Jewish law organized by the mitzvot in the Torah, right? 613 commandments in the Torah. And so it goes kind of uh, 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 chronologically, linearly through the Torah, explicating commandment by commandment. And it talks about uh, the, 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 how to practice that commandment, uh, and then offers what's known as ta'ameha mitzvot, rationales for the commandment. Uh, and so some of them, I think, are more compelling than others in Sefer Echinuch, but it's always interesting to see how, uh, how our medieval ancestors uh, were thinking about uh, the rationales for these mitzvot. Now, it goes to say that uh, that at least the Sefer Chinuch lived in, uh, and I say the Sefer Chinuch because it's anonymously written. We don't know who wrote it. Uh, so I'm just going to call it by the title of the book. Um, that uh, they're, they're living in a time and place where rationales for the commandments matter. You get this more in Sephardic countries uh, than in Ashkenazi countries. In Ashkenazi countries, there's not a lot of ta'amea mitzvot being written, a lot of rationale for commandments being written, because no one's really questioning about it. Uh, Jewish communities there are much more insular, uh, and so nobody's going to a Gentile barber to uh, that they need to explain why they are waving these plants around. But in the Muslim world, in, in Sephardic countries, they were interacting with non-Jews and having to explain the strange Jewish customs that they were that they were practicing. That's what we get here in Sefer Achinuch. So here's what he says. The precept of the Lulav with its three species is for this root reason. For the days of the festival are days of great rejoicing in Israel. In Israel means among the Jewish people, not 
necessarily in the land of Israel, uh, but he may also mean the land of Israel because this holiday is connected to the land. Because it is the time of the gathering of the crops and the fruit of the trees into the house. And then people rejoice in great happiness. Okay, so he's saying that the time that Sukkot has been given to us, the time we celebrate this holiday is harvest time. And so people are take, getting their crops and bringing it into their home. And so it's a time of great rejoicing because you've just gotten this bounty uh, out of the land. For this reason, it is called the Harvest Festival. We call it Chag Ha'asif. Well, God commanded God's people to celebrate a festival in God's presence at that time to make them meritorious by having the essential rejoicing dedicated to God. In other words, people are already rejoicing during this time anyway. They're gathering in all their crops. And so the Torah makes a Jewish holiday at that time so that the natural joy that people would have would be directed and dedicated toward God. Now, since joy greatly evokes the physical material self and makes it forget reverent fear of God at that time, eternal God commanded us to take in our hands objects which will remind us that all the rejoicing of our heart should be for God's sake and for God's glory. We're rejoicing anyway, and when we rejoice, we have a tendency to make our celebrations materialistic and self-centered. To say, I'm so excited and I'm so happy about what I accomplished and what I did. And I'm going to take that opportunity to celebrate in a material way. And what the Torah does, according to the Sefer HaChinuch, is give us this commandment to take these plants and use them for our rejoicing, symbolically taking the harvest of the land, the bounty of the land, into our hands and, and specifically using it for a commandment in order to direct our joy toward God, to be reverent even in our joy. It was God's wish, too, that the reminding object should be a joy-giving species, just as the time is a season of happiness. For all the utterances of God's word are righteous, and it is known in the ways of nature that all four species gladden the heart of those who behold them. Okay, so these plants specifically because they are joy-giving species. Now I'm not sure if that's because they look interesting and uh, it's like you get happy by looking at them or because, you know, the etrogue smells nice or it's, it's a lemon but bumpy and so that's kind of fun. Um, or if it's because, you know, the, the palm branch has, you know, sweet fruit and the etrogue, it, it doesn't exactly say why all those things are joy-giving species. It just says it's well-known in nature that they're joy-giving species. So that's the rationale, according to Sefer and Chinuch, about why we take the lulav and etrog on, uh, on Sukkot. Because it's a time of rejoicing, and the Torah is trying to help sublimate our rejoicing, to direct our rejoicing away from ourselves toward God. So why, why is that? Why do we need to do that? I think that here's the answer that I have come up with. But you know that there's an expression that there are no atheists in foxholes, right? So that, you know, when, when we're in times of trouble, times of danger, time of distress, uh, we have a natural tendency to want to uh, call out for outside help, for outside support. Uh, that, uh, that when we are going through a difficult season in life, it's, uh, it's uh, a commonplace to 
ask the question, why is God doing this to me? And to ask for God's help in in, uh, making the pain go away. But maybe as true as it is that there are no atheists in foxholes, maybe there are plenty of atheists on mountaintops. In other words, when you climb to the top of the mountain, when you have a great accomplishment and, uh, and are in a moment of great joy, it's just as common, I think, to not think about or care about God in that moment. To celebrate the accomplishment that you had, to rejoice in the moment that you made, but not necessarily to, uh, to ascribe any of the partnership in that moment uh, to outside support and outside help. In just the same way that we tend to ask in times of trouble, why is God doing this to me? Generally speaking, I don't hear people who, you know, just won the lottery, why did God do this to me? That's, I think, what Sukkot is trying to say. It's trying to say that in a time of celebration, when our tendency would be to forget that we are not responsible for making everything happen in our lives and in our world. We're not responsible for every aspect of the bounty that we bring in. We have, a, we have an opportunity. Sukkot gives us the opportunity. The Lulav and Echo give us an opportunity to cultivate gratitude. Enjoy to be grateful. Enjoy to be a little bit more humble. Enjoy to be a little bit more reverent. In other words, enjoy to be less of a jerk. Because we have a tendency when we're in a moment of celebration to forget that we are not the be-all and end-all of all existence. And so we take the lulav and etrog, we direct some of that joy toward God to remind ourselves of our place in all of this. To remind ourselves to be grateful. To remind ourselves to be a little bit more humble. To remind ourselves to be a little bit more reverent and conscious of our position in life. And it turns out, and modern psychology actually shows this, that when we do that, it actually enhances, not decreases, our joy. That gratitude and humility and reverence actually increase our joy. And so it is not ironic to call this time Zman Simchatenu and for it to be a commanded and ritualistic time. Because the rituals are actually helping elevate and not diminish our joy. It is hard, I think, to wave around the lulav and etrog and be less happy than you were when you first picked it up. And so we're given these commandments, these four species, to elevate our joy. Anzman Simchatenu.